Previously on the Tony Kornheiser show. He got nothing. Just nothing. Jonathan Taylor got nothing. (laughs) Yeah. And Carson Wentz. Oh, Wilbon is going to (laughs) kill. Wilbon will kill Carson Wentz. He just thinks Carson Wentz stinks. The big loser of the day is Indianapolis and Carson Wentz. And when I turn on my TV today, I want to hear what I heard for the last two years excuses for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, get out of town, man. This dude is so massively overrated, it's unbelievable. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. It's like catching fish in a barrel. I mean, just, you know, he's going to do that. He hates... He called me three times during the game to tell me how much he hates Carson Wentz. He just hates Carson Wentz. Was that Star Wars music you used to splice those two together? <laughs> that was not. Zoom. It was very Star Wars-esque, yes. But yeah. no, yes. So I've got some emails that I was going to read. Um, this is from Craig, and he says, Greetings from Dobbs Ferry, New York. A town named for a ferryman, but not the ferryman. It's a river town in Westchester between the George Washington Bridge and Tappan Zee Bridges. I know Dobbs Ferry very well. My friend Pete Townsend in college, not that Pete Townsend, but my friend Pete Townsend lived in Dobbs Ferry, and I used to pick him up on the way to Harper College, so I know Dobbs very well. Of all the David Aldridge moments, Craig writes, I've had on this show, and there have been many. This is the one I had to write in for. Last week, Elliot Olshansky wrote about the movie theater in Mount Kisco, I exclaimed to my non-masculine child driving on the sawmill. That's a parkway that runs through New York and Connecticut. Hey, I know that town. We're on our way there now to Grammy's house. Sadly, I got nothing back as it was nap time in the car for the toddler. (laughs) I lived in Mount Kisco for years and worked at various restaurants there, including one a few doors down from the movie theater. While I don't have the power to send you a box of that, I do have the authority to give you a box of that if you're in the greater New York area. I'm asking to become the official tasting coordinator for the Tony Kornheiser Show. Have Nigel check the signature in this mail. I have the credentials. Swing by the office the next time you're playing around at Wingfoot or a different course in Westchester. I'd love to give you a tour of the magazine headquarters and give you some wine. If you want, I can even pair with what Michael or Elizabeth are making for dinner. Keep up the good work. I love the pod. I'm no longer in the 20008 but I still enjoy hearing about the weather there. I do miss hearing about your trips down Connecticut Avenue. And this is from Wine Enthusiast. Is he the editor of Wine Enthusiast? Does he run Wine Enthusiast? Does he have a big job? Wine enth- He's the tasting coordinator. The tasting enthusiast. enthusiast. Yes. Wine Enthusiast. Okay, that's different than what you were saying. Enthusiast. Yes. That's how I say it. Am I saying it wrong? Enthusiast. Oh, I, even, I also think I have a wine... Um, cooler thing from Wine Enthusiast. Yeah, you do. I think so. From Amex Points. Um, Chris Bai. We're going to have to in- introduce Chan to this emailer. <laughs> yes. Chris Bai in Carmel, Indiana. <clears throat> On Friday's show, you talked about the Capital Weather Gang's chief meteorologist, Jason Salmonell. You said, I wouldn't know Jason Salmonell if he was sitting here with a jacket that says, I'm Jason Salmonell. <laughs> well, move over, David Aldridge, because I know that guy. Here's what you need to know about Salmonell. He's a summer camp guy. In fact, he was my camp counselor for years at Camp Shahola in Greeley, Pennsylvania. Eat it, Pine Forest Camp, bunch of rich kid losers. That's right, Sam now, or Sammy as we called him, is the Larry Brown of my life. He's the one who caught me sneaking through the woods trying to jump the canteen line. He's the one who would drive us out to the late night, late night driving range after hours. He was a great counselor. He's an even better meteorologist. Here's to Sammy. Isn't that fantastic? That's a stunner to me. That we, one, we might need him this Sunday. That, yeah, because we're supposed to get... Shifting models. Uh, Sheehan says we're getting a foot or more. Uh, That's the boom. A foot or more. It feels like that might be wish Saturday or I, Sunday. I don't, the NAM and the year are not really lining up just yet, so we'll have to wait for the 24 run. This is from Kate, M-E-H-O-K, Mihawk, Mihawk, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. 
First off, let me thank you for creating such a wonderfully wacky show. Although I had watched Wilbin and you on TV for years, it was not until COVID hit and I started taking long walks to escape the man I'm related to by marriage and the three kids I'm related to by birth that I discovered the podcast. It's been a great comfort to me in this uncertain time. Who would have ever thought that a 45-year-old woman living in New Orleans would have so much in common with a 73-year-old cranky man living in D.C.? I hate Subarus, people that park their trailers on your street in uncomfortable chairs. I love toast, obsessively checking weather apps, and bagel sandwiches. We could be twins. I never really got what a David Aldridge moment was, nor do I really know who David Aldridge is. But last week on your pod, when you were talking about playing golf with Ambrose from Notre Dame, you mentioned texting Brian Polian. I thought, hey, I know that guy. He's married to my cousin, Laura. <laughs> I come from a big Italian family in Buffalo, New York. While I was raised in a suburb outside New York City, my parents would return us to Buffalo every Christmas and for weeks every summer, which helped grow my relationship with our 18 first cousins, including Laura. My parents were and remained diehard Bills fans and suffered immensely during the Bills' four straight losses in the championship game. Growing up a Giants fan, I don't think I truly understood the devotion until I was in Buffalo at a family Christmas and my 93-year-old great-aunt showed up wearing a shirt with Scott Norwood missing the toilet while trying to pee. <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> Wide right, baby. Everyone, including this sweet lady, was bitter. So, of course, our family was thrilled when Laura met and fell in love with Brian as we got to add a Bills executive son to our family, and we got to meet some Bills players at the wedding. But what we did not know then and what we know now is how great a person and coach Brian is. Because of Brian's schedule, we often miss seeing him at the holidays. But in the few times our vacations have overlapped through the years and I've had a chance to talk to him, I've been impressed by how much he cares deeply for every boy he's ever coached. In a time when big money has infiltrated college football and the times corrupted it, Brian remains a true believer, understanding that his role is to develop great men as well as great football players. He embraces his job as a role model, develops strong relationships with each of his players, and cares about them beyond what they can produce on the field. So I should not have been surprised that he wrote to you about Ambrose and chose to focus on how great a young man he was at Notre Dame and not just his almost interception of Matt Leinart. That is truly who he is. This is a great email. I've chosen to make my life in New Orleans, which is a city I've come to care for deeply, but whose geography means... I remain far away from my family. So you can imagine my delight to find out recently that Brian Polian decided to follow Brian Kelly to LSU and that my cousin and her husband would only be one hour from us. But what is really great, what I thought immediately upon hearing the news is how great it is that the young men of LSU get to spend time and learn from Brian. We need more leaders like Brian Polian in our state. Thank you for all you do, and I'll keep listening. That's a great email. Isn't that lovely? Yes, that's just great. And to end the email segment early, Heard you complaining this morning about all the things you can't do. Try going to Florida for a few months. Rent a house with an attic, DG. <laughs> okay. Thanks, DG. Um, one thing I wanted to say, and those were great emails. I was, and I don't want to use the word stunned, you know, because these things happen. I certainly was surprised to learn of the death of Bob Saget. Now, I have to tell you that I never watched Full House. Not one minute of Full House. And I think Bob Saget was the host as well of the America's Funniest Home Videos. I never watched one minute of that. I am too old for both of those things. Michael, you may have been too young for Full House. No, that, that actually was the sweet spot for, for, right? our, for our house. It just probably wasn't something that you were paying attention to, along with Funniest Home Videos. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, we had no idea as to his comedy track record and sort of, you know, the what you might say was the start and sort of the driving force of his career. So let me say this about Bob Saget, who I met once. Bob Saget was the host of the comedy tribute to James Carville that I performed in because James asked me to, and I was thrilled to do so at the Kennedy Center. I mean, I was thrilled. I got laughs at the Kennedy Center. Right, come on. This is a big deal to me. 
Bob Saget um, introduced himself to me, said he watched PTI, said he liked PTI. I told him I was a little bit nervous about performing. He said something that I had forgotten. I should never have forgotten this, that Tracy reminded me. And he said basically this, except it was much more explicit than I'm going to use. He said, look, if you feel you're failing up there, just stand back and scream the F word. You'll get a lot of laughs. <laughs> I had forgotten he said that. Two things surprised me about Bob Saget. He's big. About 6'4", 240. He was a big guy. And the second thing, which I didn't know, was how filthy his comedy act was. It is beyond filth. Yeah. It's raunchy, makes it seem, <laughs> you know, easy to listen to. Like if you, if your family had watched Full House and Bob Saget was playing in town and you said to the kids, let's go see Bob Saget, you're out of there in 45 seconds, right? You've seen him perform. Yes. Filthy. It, your filthy. jaw's on the ground the first time That's you see unbelievable. him. You're like, wow. Yes. So when I read the obituary and saw so many comedians reaching out through social media to say what a kind and nice man Bob Saget was, I was a little confused by the, again, the incongruity of how nice he was to me, but what his act was. So I called two people I know that have done comedy in their lives. I texted with Melman. Melman said he knew him a little bit, thought he was the nicest guy he ever knew. Totally nice guy. And then I called Garcia. And Garcia knew him a little bit because Garcia is very friendly with John Stamos. And Garcia said, fabulously nice guy. And I said, what about this other stuff? And he said, that's his act. What, who are you, what are you doing? What are you talking about? That's his act. That's his act. Really a nice, and everybody, nobody disagreed with that. Of what a fine, kind person Bob Saget was. And, I, and again, I bring it up only because I had that one meeting with him and he couldn't have been, yeah, he couldn't have been nicer. I was just sort of stunned when, when I heard some of the things he said, <laughs> you know, sort of stunned. So still thoughts on Bob Saget? No, not, no, this is just, it's one of those forces of your childhood because you grew up watching Danny Tanner and that entire family household. And I was reading and focusing more on how he became this mentor and father figure to a lot of the young women on the cast at the time. And, you know, even though he couldn't take them to his comedy show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Just couldn't do it. But then you had this complete, this, uh, this complete parallel path with America's Funniest Home Videos. And yeah. that's, yeah. The, yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah, by all accounts, just a very lovely, lovely guy. Yes. Yeah, very generous. Yes, you, you need, caring. if you haven't read the obits, read them, the ones that include the social media comments by tremendous comedians, great comedians, all of whom personally love this guy. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Booger McFarland will join us. We will talk about the college game for the last time, and we'll look forward to some pro games. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a ZipRecruiter read. 2022 is going to be a big year for a lot of businesses, but some industries are projected to grow even more this year. If you work or own a business in one of these growing industries like fitness and digital events and conferences and home improvements or a wide range of other industries, you probably need to hire as soon as possible. There's only one place to go, that's ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. ZipRecruiter uses powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. Then it proactively presents these candidates to you. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job, which encourages them to apply faster. 
No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated hiring site in the United States based on G2 ratings. I thought the G2 was like a summit meeting of some sort. <laughs> That's what I thought. You can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y. And they do that to find out who's listening to us. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Bart Pacino, P-A-C-H-I-N-O, not P-A-C-I-N-O, as in Al Pacino. And he writes, I'm a longtime listener of the podcast, viewer of PTI, etc. I'm submitting songs for my son, Alex Pacino, hoping you will enjoy and include them in a jingles presentation on the Tony Kornheiser Show one day soon. Podcast is terrific. I've been reading Tony in the Post since I was in college in Duke and had to go to the library to read hard copies of the paper. Alex is a 28-year-old singer-songwriter, producer, and multi-instrumentalist, born and raised in L.A., after spending several years touring the world as a guitarist and vocalist alongside pop acts like Troy Sivan, or Sivan, Julia Michaels, and Noah Cyrus, Alex took a year-long hiatus from the road during the pandemic to turn inward and write and record his debut album, which he began rolling out this fall. And it, um, these are two songs that we will have today. This is called Growing Dreaming, and it plays in Booger McFarlane. Booger, I'm going to ask you about the college game first. Alabama loses to Georgia, but from this perspective, I'm going to ask you. You're LSU. Which team did you want to lose more? <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably, probably Alabama, Tony, just because, yeah. and not just from the LSU perspective, but from the college football perspective, because I think parity uh, is good, and Alabama has had a run. They've dominated. And plus, Tony, again, I, I root for the underdog, man. I'm a six foot, three hundred pound nose guard. I played next to Hall of Famers Warren Sapp, Barry Brooks, John Lynch. And so I, I'm I'm used to being the small guy, and I like the small guy to win. Not that Georgia's a small guy, but when you start looking at the accolades that Alabama already has, Georgia hadn't won in 41 years. So essentially, the little guy who hadn't had got an opportunity to taste the promised land. And 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 for Kirby, I give Kirby a lot of credit because I was one of the ones who criticized okay. Kirby because I thought Kirby had underachieved. Because if you go back and look at the recruiting rankings, that's usually the most predictive way to figure out who's going to be good in college football. And Kirby has dominated the recruiting rankings, but he had nothing to show for it as far as the championship. So uh, he finally got the monkey off his back. I, I think it's going to open the floodgates. And I, I couldn't be more happy for a guy who I played against at Georgia. Kirby's 46, I'm 44. So to see him have the success that he's having right now, I couldn't be more happy for him. I think I'm quoting you accurately when you said you thought that Georgia had the better team, but Alabama had the better quarterback, and so you were going to pick Alabama. Alabama threw it 57 times. Doesn't that mean that the coaches got together and said, we cannot run on the Georgia front line? Isn't that what that means? Yeah, a little bit, Tony. Also, it could mean how the game played out. So here's what happens sometimes in football. Uh, we're prisoners of the moment. And if you run it a few times early on and you don't have success, human nature says, let's go away and do something else. When mm-hmm. in actuality, you've got to continue to go and beat your head against that wall. Take Georgia, for instance. Georgia in the first half really couldn't run the football, but in the second half, Tony, they ran for over 100 yards. So um, I, I think Alabama made a decision that Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner, the best quarterback in the country, was our best way to manufacture offense because the game was a field goal fest early on. 
and they turned the game over to Bryce Young. And, you know, he was just a little bit off, and I, and I think he'll admit to that. But to your point, yeah, I never would have thought that Alabama would throw it that many times, but they did. And in the end, Bryce Young made a couple of critical mistakes as far as inaccuracies and then the pick six to seal it. Let me just say this, and I'm cognizant of the fact that that a person's physical stature should not determine the extent of his career, because we've seen too many small people do well in a variety of sports. But boy, oh boy, Bryce Young looks tiny out there. And if you look tiny in college, don't you look even tinier in the pros? Tony, that is a great observation by you. Um, Ten years ago, I would have told you that Bryce Young has zero chance of playing in the NFL. But based on what's happened with Kyler Murray, who's Tony, yeah. if, if, if Kyler Murray is, is 5'10", then no, you, you, and I both, you, and, well, then you and I both have a full head of hair. And, and I've seen yeah. your head, and I've yeah. seen mine. Yeah. And neither yeah. one of us have a full head. Uh, yeah. But the game has changed with those young quarterbacks, and now it's okay in the right system to be 5'9", 5'10". Because in actuality, I think if you really – if you had to bet a, a, a lot of money, some of that PTI money, I think you would probably bet that Bryce Young is legitimately five nine and a half, probably one seventy five, and that doesn't seem very big in the NFL game. But you got to give him credit, Tony, because he's been that size for a long time. He's won yes. the Heisman Trophy. He's been the number one yes. recruit in the country. He's the best quarterback in the country. So the size hasn't mattered yet. Let's see what happens if and when he gets to the NFL. You spoke of motivation the last time we talked, and you found motivation for both teams, for Georgia because they lost in the first game, and for Alabama because they were an underdog in this particular game, which never happens. Um, This is the fifth time in a row that teams meeting in a rematch in a championship game where the team that lost the first game won the second game. That was David Pollock's reason for picking Georgia, as I'm sure you know. What do you make of that? That's that's 100% of the time. That's 100% of the time, Tony. Let me ask you this question, though, before I answer. Because I think your answer will give a lot of insight to where I'm coming from. You know, you work on a show, PTI, that's been one of the best shows on television for a long time. What gives you and Will Bond the motivation to come back and do it year after year? Well, we like each other. We like what we do. It's, 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 it's a pleasure to do it and an honor sometimes to do it. And we want to continue to keep it on that level. And see, Tony, that right there, that's the drive that makes you guys different. Oftentimes, human nature is once I get to the top of the mountain and I've scaled or beat a team, there's a a tendency to say, I got it, or I'm good, or I'm okay right now. All All those little phrases that creep into our mind that takes the edge off just a little bit. In order to win, in order to achieve, you have to have a little bit of edge, a little bit of motivation, a little bit of want to, some grit, a little bit of mental toughness. Well, human nature says, Tony, when I do that, then that little edge or that little bit of grit kind of comes off. That's why from a motivational standpoint, from a drive, from I'll do whatever it takes standpoint, the team that loses usually has that more than the team that wins. Yeah, and I, think I agree. It's that, it's, that, it, it, it's that little bit of drive that oftentimes is the difference. And you can't necessarily quantify it in numbers and analytics. You know, maybe Brandon Staley couldn't understand this conversation. But I think at the end of the day, we all get it. 
I love that, Brandon Staley. He'd go on fourth down if it's third down. Just please I mean, get me to fourth down I mean, so I can go. I mean, think about that, man. I mean, he yeah. he single-handedly kept the Chargers out of the postseason. I agree. I totally agree with that. And maybe they love him and maybe they don't. One more college question. Saban hadn't lost to any of his former assistants until this year. He lost to two. He lost to Jimbo Fisher, and now he lost to Kirby Smart. Saban is the greatest college coach who ever laced him up. Nobody would argue with that. But do you see this as the end of his total dominance? Do you see more of his former assistants, all of whom coach everywhere all the time? I mean, or is Saban going to jump back on the horse and beat them down again? Well, I think, you know, again, continuing the theme of motivation, um, everybody heard that. Like the record was like 19-0 at one point, and then Jimbo did it. Now Kirby has done it. Um, you're going to have to build a program that can withstand the determination and the process that Alabama has and sets forth in Tuscaloosa. Jimbo is starting to do that. Kirby has done that. Um, will we see other uh, other assistants like Lane Kiffin? Lane Kiffin is building a program at Ole Miss. So, yeah, Tony, it, it, it's going to happen. And I think it eventually water finds its level. So to, to think that Nick Saban was just going to dominate all these good coaches forever uh, who he trained, it's probably not going to happen. But Alabama has won the recruiting rankings for the last several years, Tony. I think as long as Nick Saban is there, they'll continue to win those recruiting rankings, which breeds you the ability to put the best college football team on the field every year. Yeah. So I don't think Alabama is going anywhere anytime soon. All right. Um, you mentioned Brandon Staley. There were two headlines uh, over the, the NFL Sunday. Brandon Staley was one of them. And the choke job by Indianapolis was another one. You played in the league. I mean, that when you watch that, what does that tell you to lose at Jacksonville? What are you doing, right? You know what that means, Tony? That means that my team was not mentally prepared to deal with the circumstances we were going to face that day. And that means, i.e., the heat, the weather, because having lived in Indy where it's 10 degrees, you come to Jacksonville yeah. where it's 80. It's a different mindset, okay? Your body feels differently. If you're not prepared mentally to deal with that, it's going to affect you. Number, number two, you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars record and you say, ah, they're 2-13-1. Two, uh, two ah, it's going to be a cakewalk today. No, 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 because if you watch any, any film, you know that more times than not, Jacksonville shows up and they fight, especially since Urban Meyer has been let go. So that just breathes of a team, Tony, that was not mentally nor physically prepared. And lastly, and to me, the biggest piece of the puzzle is they have a quarterback who I think they believe is a franchise quarterback who oftentimes when expectations are at their highest, he does not perform well. And that's Carson Wentz. And I think they're going to have to evaluate it. I don't, I don't think they can get rid of him based on the compensation that they traded to Philly for him. So they're going to have to figure out a way to change the mindset of Carson Wentz because go back and look at any game this year when there was nothing expected of Carson Wentz, he played well. But Carson Wentz has a tendency, Tony, to panic in moments that are a little bit larger than, uh, I guess, the normal moments. And if you think about the interception he threw against Tennessee where he just flung it up left-handed, like who does that? Oh, that was terrible. In the end zone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he's got a – he, Chris Ballard, the GM, who I love and respect, Frank Wright, the same, they got to figure out what's next for them and how do they get the quarterback to mentally play at a higher level. 
And I get you out of here on this. We're going to assume that almost every team in the playoffs is good. Every team has earned their way in there. They're not all great, but they're all pretty good. You played in playoffs, you were on Super Bowl winning teams. What is the biggest difference between playing in the regular season and then playing in the playoffs? The edge and the level of, how do I call it? Um, The level of give a damn about every single detail, Tony. Every single detail, okay? Because everything matters. See, like like in the regular season, Tony, uh, sometimes guys go through the motions a little bit, and you'll see a team struggle in the first half, and next thing you know, in the second half, they turn it on. Well, in the postseason, since you're going against good teams, if you do that, then you're going to be down, and the ability to come back is not going to be there against a very good team. Most of these matchups are pretty evenly matched. Like if you take away the Pittsburgh matchup at Kansas City, yeah. other, other than that matchup, Tony, I think the rest of them could go either way depending upon how, how and, and what happens in the game and injury and COVID and all that good stuff. So I, I think Kansas City is the one team that is really um, way too big of a matchup for Pittsburgh. But the rest of them, they can go either way. So you have to have a level of give a damn about every single detail from the first play to the last play. And the team that has that, the team that embodies that, the coaching staff that embodies that, the quarterback who values the football. Because in every game, Tony, there is really only about five or six plays that change the game. And usually turnovers are the great equalizer. So if you don't turn the football over, Bill Belichick always says this, and people used to laugh when I said this on Monday Night Football. Uh, I think you and I have that in common. We said things that people laughed at. Um, Yeah. Bill said this, more games in the NFL are lost than won. Think about that. Teams lose more games by making mistakes and doing things they shouldn't than they do by making these spectacular game-winning plays. And so if you'll just not lose the game, you'll win a lot of games in the postseason. Thanks, Booger. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks very much. We'll talk next week or the week after. Thank you. Anytime, Tony. Take it easy, buddy. Booger McFarlane. It's a joy. We'll take a break. When we come back, Chuck Todd will pick games for us. And so will a monkey. (laughs) I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X chair read. You may love your work, but do you love your office chair? You would if you got an X chair. With an X chair, you can actually look forward to sitting in your office because your body will feel so much more supported and comfortable. And more comfort means more productivity, helping your X chair pay for itself thanks to how much more work you'll be getting done every day. And if you're feeling tight or stressed, just turn on the LMAX massage feature and choose from four different massage options. If the office is running too hot or too cold, just flip on the LMAX temperature regulation and either heat or cool your lower back. But if your office is running too hot or too cold, you ought to fix the thermostat as well. <laughs> that might help. That's yeah. my opinion. <laughs> and once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar, or as guys in the know call it, the old DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. Try X-Chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, chair, dot com, Or call one 844 for X Chair for $100 off your order. X Chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. XChairTony.com. Use code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show.
Once again, this is Alex Pacino from Los Angeles with songs that are sent in by his dad, Bart Pacino, proud dad. And this is called You Already Are to Me. It'd be great. I have a, I'm proud of my son and his musical talents and his golf talents. I wonder if there'd be a podcast where I could send in his golf talents and he could maybe hit a four iron for somebody <laughs> and see the arc of the shot and all of that. Alex Pacino. If people like Bart Pacino want to send in their son's music, Michael, how do they do it? Please keep my golf swing away from Max Soma. He'll, he'll crush it. <laughs> a little steep in transition. Uh, send your music to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. Uh, by the way, Alex will have a release show at the Hotel Cafe at 9 p.m. on February 9th. That's in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles. Alex Pacino. Plays in Chuck Todd. Chuck had another winning week. Chuck was 4-3 and three last week. His record now is 65-60-1. <clears throat> he has left Mount 500 in his rearview mirror. You've done very well lately because as the season goes on, you get a better sense of it, even though we give you the games, right. which is sort of unfair. Sort of unfair. I'm just going to say eat it to Lizzo. That I'm yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know who else to attack here, but he seems easy to attack. So, yeah. yeah, well, that's what Chris is. Chris is <laughs> a, there. a big doll the out there. Right, yeah. yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> we got all playoff games. Am I, yeah. am, I, am I late to this? Al Pacino sending in music now? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's spelled differently. It's P-A-C-H, oh. Alex Pacino. Oh. All right. You know, it's not so, that Al Pacino. Who? Wow. It's not Al Pacino, is it? It's not Al Pacino. <laughs> from the, the Tropic Thunder? Tropic Thunder is a great movie. speech ever, right? The inch. Yeah. Fight for that inch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's Chuck with picks. Um, before we got on the air, off air, we were talking about the Raiders and the seeming magic that they have. They are, as Bill Belichick would say, quite literally on to Cincinnati. <laughs> Cincinnati has a great young quarterback and a great young receiver, Joe Burrow and Chase. They're, they're great. Jamar Chase. They're great. They're absolutely great. The franchise hasn't won a playoff game in probably 30 years. I looked that up uh, since 1991 when they beat the Houston Oilers. 31 years. Only to lose to the Los Angeles Raiders. You see how much yeah. things have changed since then. Yes. Yeah, 31 years. Week. Now, the, the Raiders haven't won a playoff game in an awfully long time either. When the Raiders uh, got into the Super Bowl, after that they were terrible for a long time. So it's two bad teams in terms of playoffs recently. The Raiders are plus five and a half. Who do you like? I'm afraid of going against the Raiders. It's, it's about that. I mean, I, and I don't. I think they have a really good defense. That is what's kept them uh, in in some of these games. I, I, you know, you'd rather have. You look at these things. You like. You look at the coach. You look at the quarterback. You look at some defenses, right? I'd rather have the Raiders' defense, the Bengals' quarterback, and I think I'd rather have the Raiders' coach. Basaccio, his who's yeah, still an interim I, coach. Yeah, I, I think I might. He wins this game. You have to hire him, right? I think you, you have, have to, to extend him for at least two years. Yeah. If he wins yeah, this game, I, unless I, you think he's at a adult. minimum, I think this is too many points for a playoff game, right? You okay. know, I could see Cincinnati winning by a field goal, but I, I, you know, there's a don't take the underdog unless you think you, that they can win, and I think the Raiders can win this. Um, All right, so give me the Raiders. New England is at Buffalo. New England is getting four points. The last time these two teams played, Buffalo spanked New England in New England. The last time they played in Buffalo. New England had its best game of the year and ran the ball down the throats of the Buffalo Bills and won that game so convincingly that people said, whoa, maybe they could get to the Super Bowl. They are back in Buffalo. Cold weather is not going to bother a team from 
Boston. New England, if you like them, Chuck, you get four. But let me just say this. Josh Allen has potential to be a beast in every game he plays, and I cannot say that about anyone on New England. That's the thing here is that I, I, I'm, I think we're going to look at that first Buffalo, New England, and I think it could be the outlier. I think it was a freak show game, crazy wind. Buffalo was rattled by it for some reason. They're not going to get rattled by anything Belichick throws at them this time. This is one of those games that I think it's possible it's a boat race. That you know, okay. That that Buffalo, that Buffalo wins, wins that big, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm um, I'm with Buffalo here. And then when we come back and talk next week about Belichick, you know, is he going to beat the Chiefs or whatever? You know, then we yeah, can remind ourselves <laughs> what idiots we are betting against Bill Belichick. But um, no, give me. I, I'm with you. There's just I'm going to bet on talent. Bottom line, I agree with that. I agree with that yeah. in this particular game. Doesn't mean I'll be right. Philadelphia's getting eight and a half at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is the defending Super Bowl champions. Tampa Bay is missing a lot of key parts, but Philadelphia doesn't have that many key parts. they got a real good tight end, and Jalen Hurts has been very effective this year. Tampa Bay, again, is the defending Super Bowl champions. Eight and a half is a lot, though. Who do you like? So my son and I were having an argument about this last night. I said, Philly's terrible. I said, they haven't beaten a single team with a winning record. And then I go through their schedule, and I was wrong. They've yeah. beaten one Philly's team been pretty with a good. winning record. They've been One pretty good, team though. with a winning record, and that's the Saints. They haven't beaten a single team in the playoffs. Um, I, I, this is another one that, although I'm a little nervous about Tampa's team chemistry, psyche, whatever you want to call it, um, there is not a chance that I would bet on Jalen Hurts here and, and, and Philly in this game. So uh, give me give me the Bucks. For those people who don't, you know, who want to take the Wilbon point of view that Tom Brady isn't all that. Look at his numbers. And more than looking at his numbers, watch Tampa Bay any quarter you want. Watch him deliver the ball at 44 years old. Ben Roethlisberger can't do this at 40 years old. Nobody can do it at 44. Not like I don't Tom think he can Brady. throw the tennis ball to his dog right now, Roethlisberger. No, well, no, he, he can, can't. But he ground, once again, he grounds and the dog's like, going, where well, is short, it? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Under throws it. Um, interesting game. Maybe the most interesting game on the board. Well, maybe the Arizona game. San Francisco plus three at Dallas. Is Dallas for real? Is Dallas for real? Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. San Francisco is a good team. Potentially, Dallas is a better team than San Francisco. There's no question about that. And Dallas is at home. But what are you going to see this week? If you like Dallas, you are giving three. This is like a throwback, right? I mean, this was what, the 80s and the 90s? It was always Dallas Montana. San Francisco. Yeah. Um, yep. And it was always, they never met in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> they always met in the, in the championship game. Uh, I, this is a, a, another game, right? You, you're like, you'd rather have Dallas's quarterback. You'd certainly rather have San Francisco's coach. Um, I think you'd rather have Dallas's defense. I, look, I, as a Packer fan, I'm petrified of this game. I do not want to face San Francisco. I just think San Francisco's the team that, it's the team you just don't want to have to face in the playoffs because how much they run the ball. Uh, they're just very physical. Physical teams are tough to beat in the playoffs. Um, I'm petrified of them, which means the Packers will be playing them. So uh, mm. I, I, uh, I like the 49ers here. Um, uh, just out of – I think it's a grinded out. I think it's a great game, and I, I think it is the best game. It's the one I'm looking forward to the most. But, yeah, um, that, give me, me too. 
Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm happy for Ben Roethlisberger. He won his last home game. He won his last road game in electrifying style in an overtime at Baltimore. They made the playoffs. He cannot throw the ball 20 yards down the field anymore, but they made the playoffs. They have a really underrated great receiver in Claypool, as far as I'm concerned. And they are a team, they are very well coached, and they get to the playoffs every single year, but they're up against Kansas City. The problem is it's 12 and a half points. 12 and a half points is really a lot of points. Where are you going, Chuck? I'm curious, is this the pre- predicting the number of points Pittsburgh's able to score? Is that 12 what and a half? And, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm half kid. I, I don't think they can get to 13. <laughs> right. Um, I, I, this, if you're Ben, did you want the tie so you didn't have to play in this game? You could have gone out a winner. You know, everybody's happy with you. You did everything you could. Oh, you almost made the playoffs, but you didn't make it on a freak tie. Because when does that ever happen in the, in the WWE? Um, oh, I mean the NFL. Uh, Freudian slip there. Um, yeah. I I, uh, I have no faith in, in Pittsburgh here. I think Kansas City could win. Uh, they can pick their number. Uh, and the only and I think in a playoff game they cover. Kid, I don't want to tell you this. The, the most surprising little fact that I learned the entire Sunday day of football, and it amazed me, was that if Baltimore and Pittsburgh tied, they were both out. They were both out. That was alarming to me. Did you have any idea that was the case as well, Chuck? I had no idea. I did not, but I didn't. I mean, Whoa. how often do you feel like you have to follow the tie scenarios in general? But I looked yeah, at that, when they were doing it. I'm like, whoa, what, what's going to happen if this game's a tie? You know, and yeah. the, the announcers were a little slow giving us that information. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I was very surprised by that. More who surprised than I was I'm that curious. if the winner, that the other game tied, they both got in. What? Who do you think would have been the worst team in the playoffs, Pittsburgh or Baltimore? Baltimore, because they don't have their starting quarterback and they appear to be unable to score a lot of points at all. You know, even with an, every every key pass goes to the tight end. And I think right. he can defend that at some point. He can defend, yeah. yeah that's Here's sure. the other game on the board that I would say with the San Francisco-Dallas game is a game that has real great potential. It's Arizona at the Rams. They played twice this year. Um, Arizona beat the Rams 37-20 in L.A. Arizona is 8-1 and one on the road. They're a bad home team. They're 8-1 and one on the road this year. The Rams, who were my pick to win the Super Bowl once that trade was made, and I went on television and I said Matthew Stafford will be the MVP, and what I didn't realize was that Matthew Stafford, all those years in Detroit, isn't as great as I thought he was. He throws it to the other team all the time. He keeps both teams in the game all the time. The Rams have great, great talent, and it's not going to surprise me, honestly, if they win the Super Bowl, but Matthew Stafford has to be better He's got seven interceptions in his last three games, and I thought they were derailed by San Francisco, and I have lost confidence in them. I don't know who you want in this game, but the mm-hmm. number is Arizona plus four. But that if what if you also don't have confidence in Arizona? Do you have a lot of confidence? Which you shouldn't. In Barry? <clears throat> That's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean that, and and I you know, it feels like. Kyler Murray doesn't figure out a way to win. Arizona doesn't have another way to win. I feel like the Rams could win if Stafford has a bad game, but they could they could still somehow pull this off. Um, I 
I just feel like the Rams have have too much too much more talent uh, on defense. Cam Akers is now can run the ball. You know they've got yes. they've got more running backs. I'm not a huge James Conner fan. I, I just don't know if Arizona what they have besides Kyler Murray running for his life and finding an open man. Um, but what happens if the Rams lose this game? Like to Stafford. Does McVay actually then suddenly get into the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes? I mean, this is a – because all of a sudden it's like, oh, what's the difference between um, – what's the difference between Stafford and, and Jared Goff? Yeah. In true Los Angeles fashion, that Jared team Goff collects stars. That would be the only difference. Yes, he did. With, okay, with McVay. Be, I mean, with McVay. But yeah. if I had to, if you, if you said you have to write one sentence to describe every single team in the NFL – my sentence for Arizona would be something like this: They are completely dominated by and dependent on a five foot nine inch baseball player. That's what I would say. Right. Yeah, so. There's nothing more to say. Yeah, well, that's yeah. why you were. That's yeah. why you wrote for a living. Yeah, well done, yeah, my friend. Long time ago. Thank you, Chuck. Talk next week. So glad that the Soto family is going to be. Every member of the Soto family is going to be a gnat. Did you see that? Oh, I saw that. But one, there's look, only one you that, need to keep. I, well, there's only one you need. Here's the thing: we've all learned if you sign, if you, if if the only way to get Michael is you have to be friends with Tony, right? That's how it works yeah. in the Cornizer house, that's right? Fu- Come on, yeah, yeah that's, that's fine. fine. <laughs> that's yeah. fine. Sign every Soto there is. Sign D that's Soto. Exactly Bring right. him back. <laughs> Mario Soto. Yeah, every everyone. Thank you, King Chuck Todd, boys and girls. Bye, guys. And if we just gave you Chuck Todd, that would be enough. But we give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching, watching his iPad, smoking and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, Sing along, everybody, way out of time. Attache. Nigel's going to the zoo, 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 zoo. Reginald's got the vites, two, I do. Sometimes he throws poo, 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 poo. too much Johnny Walker, blue. So Greg Garcia, when he hears this... Gets up and dances. Yes, he does. He gets up and dances when he hears that music. It's his so cardio he's dancing for the day. now. Yes. All right. What happens? How did Reginald do to finish out the season? Two and one. <clears throat> finishes the regular season twenty five and twenty nine. If he has a hot playoff, he can get to five hundred. Well, he's if he's you're got betting hopes. with a monkey, you're taking your chances, <laughs> as it should be. Well, I went down to the National Zoo as I like to do, um, and he was very busy, Mister Tony, interviewing for several head coaching positions that have been opened up here in this last week, including Miami, the Giants, and Denver. I have it on good authorities holding out for the Binghamton job. Not sure when that's going to play out. The Binghamton football job? Since yes. we don't have a football team, he well, can hold out a while longer. Undefeated. Yeah. Yes, undefeated. undefeated. Since 1945. And he, does have his, he does have his team in place, like his, his staff. Bud Grant, offensive coordinator. That's not a big surprise. Richie Pettibone, defensive coordinator. That's a great move. And his pal Ishmael, a capuchin monkey, would be the special teams that's coordinator. So we're all excited and we hope for, hope for the best for him. Now, the first match we gave him was Cincinnati at home, giving five and a half against the Raiders. And, and he showed me a photograph of him playing bridge with George Foster, Ken Anderson, and Don Gullett. Some luminaries from Cincinnati's past. So uh, that tells me he's got ties to that area. He will take the Bengals. The Bengals are going to be great. Maybe not this year. Maybe not this year. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. I, and watching Chase and Burrow is going to be a lot yeah. of fun. Uh, now, the next one we gave him, this is no surprise. He's been on New England a lot. Not always on the right side of this. New England at Buffalo getting four. And uh, he was a, they showed me a picture of him at a Dunkin' Donuts 
in Revere. I'm the but, mayor of Duncan here. <laughs> Casey Affleck was there, Mosi Tatupo and Louis Tiant. So that tells me he's got strong ties to the New England area. He will take the Patriots. It's a with game them. to watch. It's That's, a game to watch because of Belichick. Yes. It's a game to watch. Yes, that should be very entertaining. Uh, and another entertaining match, uh, Dallas at home giving three to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, and this is a nice video clip of Reginald that he showed me uh, herding cattle with Jay Novacek, Gary Hogaboom, and Bill Bates. So that tells me he's very fond of Dallas and will take the Cowboys and lay the three. This is a, um, a referendum on Dallas, this particular game. I think so. If they lose this game, people are going to say Mike McCarthy should be fired on the spot. You know, they spent all this money on Dak Prescott, and, you know, they, and they talk about being a Super Bowl team. Dallas, San Francisco doesn't have to win this game. Dallas really does. Yeah. They have to win the game. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, we come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Let me clear my voice in preparation for the MeUndies read, Dad. Go ahead, knock yourself out. December may be behind us, but it's time to reset the calendar. I say this now because as I walked in this morning, Nigel had that just glimmer in his eye as he handed me the MeUndies copy. <laughs> it might be cold where you are. But it's about to get a lot warmer with February and Valentine's Day just around the corner. Is someone you love in a relationship with somebody who tells the same joke over and over? Or are they with somebody who has the audacity to starfish in bed? Yes, my wife and our son Walker, who has decided that he needs to sleep in mom and dad's bed, and he just slinks in in the middle of the night. Now, to be honest, is this somebody you? No, again, it's a four-and-a-half-year-old who has stolen all of our hearts. Relationships are not perfect. That's why MeUndies is celebrating our imperfectly perfect matches with their new Valentine's Day collection. What are the little things that make your relationship yours? Have you considered matching undies? I'll go to the second first. We have matching undies, but in terms of the jokes, I have this bad habit where I turn everything into a song from the early 2000s. Basically, my life is Pop 2K on repeat, <laughs> and Liz has now predicted the lyrics that I will use and just jumps You're like the song. a third-rate Dan Byrne. <laughs> I would say fourth or fifth rate, okay. but we're getting to a chord there, so I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. Gifting underwear for Valentine's Day, groundbreaking, but getting gifting matching underwear for you and your significant other, now we're talking. Express your one-of-a-kind relationship when you match your bottom half to your better half. In fun, well, limited like edition prints. I just heard Bob laugh behind me. This is like, <laughs> it's coming from every direction. If you're single, mingle in matching pairs with your friends or family. You can even get dog hoodies or buddy bands to match your four-legged BFF. Chessie joins the conversation. Yes. Be sure to check out all of MeUndies' super cute and super soft undies, socks, loungewear, and more available, uh, and more available in sizes extra small to 4XL. Chessie. Jesse's pushing the 4XL. MeUndies has a great offer for Tony's listeners. For a limited time only, get 25% off your first order of matching pairs for Valentine's Day. And as a first-time purchaser, you also get 15% off and free shipping right to your door. To get 25% off matching pairs, 15% off your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash Tony K. MeUndies.com slash Tony K. It's a great read, Michael. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Oh, this is liquid. <laughs> right. This is unbelievable. You feel like a whale or a porpoise. <laughs> yes. This is... I feel like you're watching... Is, yeah. To me, this is actually fantastic. It's, it has that fantasy quality. It's unbelievable.
I'm telling you, you feel like you're there's, swimming with dolphins. There's a weightlessness to it. It's yes, just absolutely. That's unbelievable. perfect. Yes. The anticipation as you wait for it's the Jeremy next line. Jeremy Vint. It's unbelievable. Do you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? Yes, in my mind, I always call it the Jacques Cousteau oh, it's jingle. But thank you, Jeremy. Yes, and thank you, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, shooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop-wop, shooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop-wop. <laughs> One fine day, you'll look at me, and you will know our love was meant to be. One fine day, you're going to want me for your girl. I believe the chiffons did that song first. There are a lot of boy groups that do it as well, and they just changed the lyrics. There was also a movie with Michelle Pfeiffer called One Fine Day. Yes, and George Clooney. Yeah. And does she sing in that movie at all? Because she sings in the fabulous Baker Boys, and she's great. Sings brilliantly in that movie. She's great. Does not sing it. The, the song does play. The Chiffon version of it does play. And that's a, it's a wonderful song. Yeah. Thanks to our guests today, Chuck Todd and Booger McFarlane. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, ZipRecruiter MeUndies, which Michael did a great read for in X-Chair. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. I've got some emails here. This is from Nick Ferranti, who writes, Over the holidays, I went to Hawaii to see relatives that I may one day be related to by marriage. During the visit, I noticed that at least half the license plates began with the letter Z. It was incredible. In fact, I once saw 12 cars in a row with license plates that began with the letter Z. I repeatedly tried to talk about this with my partner, but she just rolled her eyes. <laughs> I also noticed that compared to our Subaru-infested home in Alaska, there were very few Subarus in Hawaii. Very, very few. I tried to broach this subject too, but was met with more eye rolls. This brings me to you. A final plug for Hawaii, due to the time difference, every major sporting event is finished around 5.30 p.m. That's wonderful. Wouldn't yes. that be lovely? The one thing I thought of about the Zs was that maybe they were rented cars. Oh, and yeah, rented could be. cars always have an identifying plate. Yeah. You know, maybe because so many people visit Hawaii. Maybe. I don't know. From Steve the Sycophant. Dr. Satch, I was born on May, March 23rd, 1942. So I've been here for these imposing calendar dates. 4-4-44, 5-5-55. 6666 7777 8888 9999 and 11111. But now, the highlight of my life on 2222, the Washington football team will announce its new name, Be Still My Beating Heart. <laughs> Unfortunately, my favorite name, the Snyderites, wasn't listed as one of the finalists. I'm sure, however, that every remaining WFT fan will rejoice, rejoice as more lipstick is applied to the pig. I can't wait, and I probably won't be here for change of ownership, but I trust that we'll arrive before 3 3. 33. <laughs> From Michael Eldridge in Farmington Hills, Michigan, never Lake Orion or Lake Orion. I don't know which that is still. You wondered during the open on Monday's show if we listen, if we littles listen to the show for some local DC weather. Well, old sport, I'll let you know that some of us do, but some of us also come for the amazing math. Eight inches of snow is now half a foot. Is this Old Testament math, or is this so newfangled that I was unaware that the mathematicians from around the globe had changed the calculus so that 16 inches is now a foot? If so, I need to change my program height of 6'3 to 4'7. Bonus insight, you forgot that Mr. Brown has also been told by the Raiders, this is about A.B., I'm sure, that he was no longer part of their team. After signing the largest contract ever, right. he forced his way off of that team quite famously during hard knocks without playing a single down. Yeah, I, I had forgotten. Yeah. Um, James Carlin, not interested in the weather in D.C., are you kidding? 
I was watching the Today Show this morning, and Al reported there would be four to seven inches of snow in D.C. This is from last week. My mind instantly went to Mr. Tony and how the snow might inconvenience his routine, and more importantly, today's podcast. Relieved when the new pod dropped, I now wait to hear whether Nigel actually got the bagel sandwiches or would be sent down the road on his cross-country skis to complete the task. I'm more interested in D.C. weather than ours in upstate New York, where we got five inches of snow yesterday, and it's five degrees. And we call that a January Monday. From Terry Gans in Longboat Key in Florida. He said, I thought Chuck Berry just invented Coolerator. Coolerator is just such a great word. Brilliant word. And he said it was an actual brand before 1908 to 19, from 1908 to 1954. They were built in Duluth. Who knows, maybe a young Bobby Zimmerman before the family moved to Hibbing rode his tricycle orator by the factory. (laughs) From John Provenza in Olympia, Washington. Isn't that the capital of Washington, Olympia? believe it is. I think think you're right, yes. Please ask Michael to help Tony view this on Instagram. I can only imagine how this conversation is going to go. I know Dr. Kornheiser enjoys looking up at the sky, but I don't know if he likes looking down from the sky. This picture was taken on January 4th, 2022 by the NASA Terra Satellite. And here in the back, with an outline of the middle Atlantic states, so you can see the south end of Jersey, you can see all of Delaware, you can see Virginia and D.C. and Maryland. It is all white. Right. It is all white, Michael. Take a look at that. It's Can beautiful. you see the cars? Um, no. From <laughs> Ben Brunner in Easton, Maryland, about Novak Djokovic. Dear Grandpa, I mean, his name is Novak. <laughs> Novak, Novaks. He's lying, by the way. His latest thing, yeah. that it was an honest mistake, that he didn't tell... He told people he hadn't traveled in two weeks and he was spotted in nine different countries. Oh, he took the rapid test and get the PCR test until the next day. He makes no honest mistakes. Yeah, Djokovic not- makes no honest mistakes. Uh, Lee Gordon in West Hartford, Connecticut, and Boynton Beach, Florida. If meeting and working with somebody just one time fulfills the requirement of a David Aldridge moment, then Wednesday's show caused me to say I know that Rat Packer. Sometime back in the early 1980s, I met and had the opportunity to work with Joey Bishop. His childhood best friend owned a replacement window company in the Hartford area. And as a favor to his lifelong pal, Joey agreed to be his company's spokesman. Joey came to down to record a TV commercial for the business, and I was hired to be the low-budget version of Regis Philbin and serve as the announcer and straight man for that day. Isn't that nice? And by the way, he says, although I go by my middle name, Lee, my actual first name is D, so you can just call me DG. (laughs) From Robbie, from Salisbury or Salisbury, not that Salisbury, but Salisbury, Massachusetts. Okay. Is it Salisbury or Salisbury in Massachusetts? You should know. I think it's Salisbury. Which is 20 minutes north of Revere. On Christmas morning, I was lucky enough to to receive two pieces of Johnny O clothing from the woman to whom I'm related by marriage, but that's not why I'm sending this email. My wife, a rabid non-little who hates the sound of your voice so much that I've been barred from playing the podcast, even on the longest of car rides. She used the code. She remembered me saying you can go to your website to find the latest promo code. And using TK Mint, she reduced the cost of my golf pant and quarter zip from an arm and a leg to merely an arm. I've never been so proud of to call her the woman to whom I'm related by marriage. I know that pant. You I believe that's the, the cross country. Um <laughs> A haiku from Shad on snow when it's too much. Manageable four. When you get to eight, you cross the Kornheiser line. (laughs) This is the one I wanted to get to. This is from Nick Rogness in Rochester, Minnesota. Hey, Grandpa, let me explain Shopify for you. 
Shopify is a B2B SaaS company with several APIs and SDKs you can easily add to your LAMP, Linux, Apache, MySQL, PHP stack, or any other web framework to get an MVP, minimum viable product. You see, it's pretty straightforward. Oh, yeah, there you have it. Did you understand that? MVP? Did you understand that? <laughs> back to back? DVL? Back to back? <laughs> DVL? Um, one more from Kaylee in Phoenix. And this is written on January 4th. She said, uh, it's the first day of work since the birth of my masculine child, and I wanted to send a thank you for keeping the two of us company at all hours of the day, given the odd schedule of four-month-old keeps. Time for your tummy, because you ain't no dummy. The genius of Dan Byrne is featured in frequent rotation in our house as we listen to his Two Feet Tall album. Although I do wonder if there was an earlier draft of Time for Your Tum Tum, because you ain't no rum dum, or if he wrote it down on a napkin, and five minutes later yet another hit was born. Maybe it's unexpected getting an email like this, but ask Wilbon and he'll say he's not surprised. If Toronto is in the Midwest and 30-year-old new moms are just as likely a target demographic of the littles. We love Reginald's song, get excited every week to sing along, but it's clear Nigel should be resetting the board to zero after not getting the monkey's take on Michael Nesmith and whether he should have been featured on A1. You got the monkey? You didn't ask about the monkeys. Come on, man. What are we doing out here, man? Love for Dan Byrne. Yes. Right? He's on your house all the time. Oh, yeah? Hen party. Just Name for the hammer. Stuff. So great. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Sing, and we 
baby blue, I see right through the castle walls surrounding you. Way up in the sky with tears in your eyes. Cause you thought by now you'd have learned to fly. But if I were the snow and your heart were a mountain, I would cover its cracks and all of its doubt. And so when you're at its peak, storm incoming, you could sled your way down in any direction. Everything you wanna do, everything you wanna see. Everything you wanna be, you already out of me. Oh, yeah.